I receive Jesus to take control of my life and that I may live for him and this day forth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me with your precious blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this episode, we're going back. How far back? Well, we're going back 10 years. Uh, October 22nd, 2012. Kendrick Lamar drops his sophomore album, Good Kid, Mad City. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to break down the tracks, talk about our thoughts on the album and how it resonated uh, with us. Um, and as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I have a guest. Actually, he's no guest. He's been on here several times. The homie, Matt B, is back in the building. Matt, what up? You know, just... What's up, y'all? I'm Shireen side dude. Um, you know, I kill all the vibes. Um, let's see. I sing a lot, but I'm also dying of thirst while I do it. Um, y'all get to see my beautiful face for the first time, you know. So, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, Good Kid, Mad City, Kendrick, K-Dot, uh, his second album. Again, the album drops. Um october 22nd 2012 man can you believe this album has been out it's been 10 years hell uh, no it doesn't it doesn't i mean like think about it so much has happened in the last 10 years since this album came out so much has happened for kendrick uh, uh to that point you know he's risen into superstardom but um let's start there man what what let's go back to october or whenever it was you copped this album uh give me your first thoughts or memories of when you bought the album when you actually listened to it or if you downloaded the streams or whatever however you, you consumed it so this was around the time when leaks were still a thing but it would only happen like a week before the album came out because mm -hmm. it was right on that edge of streaming like streaming was there but it wasn't like the dominant factor quite yet it was getting close um, so I downloaded it like five days before it came out or so, and okay. I was, you know, shout out to TDE if they're listening right now. I love you guys. Um, but you know, had to, had to steal it, listen to it. And then I actually got a hard copy of it for Christmas that year. Um, okay. so <laughs> somebody paid for it. It just wasn't, <laughs> just wasn't you. Right. Yeah. You know, but they, they got a Baird's dollar for it you know what i mean so mm -hmm. um that's my last name for those that are wondering what my government name is i don't know why i just put that out there but you know um yeah nah man the album you want my thoughts on the album or kendrick like you know well just your your early your early once you listened to it you know once you got it or whatever what, what was your early thoughts of what you heard so i was worried that when he signed to dr dre that that may not be the best move for him because this isn't the late nineties or mid nineties, you know, like you got to think he had signed stat quo, nothing. He signed, I, I believe he signed Bishop Lamont who was dope. Nothing. 
He signed all these dope artists that didn't do a damn thing when they got signed to Aftermath. And yeah, I, Rock and him I just, too. Rock him was there too. Yeah, Rock him. Um, you know, I believe Eve, I was Eve there too. Yes, Eve. Yeah. Eve was there and then left to go to Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the only ones post the Death Row era that he put on really were Eminem, Fifty, and Game. And everybody else kind of just fell to the wayside, even if they did have talent. You know, Royce was supposed to sign to Aftermath, and then he was just like, "Nope, Tommy Boy's offering more." I'm sure he's shooting himself in the foot to this day over that. But you know, yeah, I I was a little bit worried that you know maybe whether he's from Compton or not, I was I was just worried, you know, because you know you you hold on to like this artist that you really love from Section 80, overly dedicated, whatever. That is almost kind of, it's like at that time he's yours, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it, like you're his fan. Nobody else, you know, listens to him. <laughs> um, that's kind of what he was for me. I was just like, man, have y'all heard Section Eighty? And they were like, no. Um, but then the album came out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no. The album was about to come out, and I just downloaded it early. Let's be technical. And I was just like what the fuck is this? Like, I was just like, from the moment that first track opened up, I was just like, oh, we're starting out with a prayer? Oh, I already know this is going to be dope. Um, And then it's just, you know, I've been listening to Outkast a lot lately. It's the art of storytelling. You know, like, from the moment you press play, this dude takes you on a journey. It's an mm-hmm. audio movie. You picture everything that he's talking about in your head. And I was just like, this is his best work so far. I'll explain why I felt that later. But, you know, I was just like, yeah, this is this is undeniable at this point. Like, you know, before he was doing it ind- independently, you know, Section 80 was an album, but it wasn't the album. This was the album to, like, blow him up. You know, and then you see the BET freestyles and him taking subtle shots at Drake with the, you know, nothing was the same since they dropped control and tucked the sensitive rapper back in his pajama clothes. Like, like that, you wouldn't get that without this album being as mm-hmm. big as it was. So I loved it from, like, first listen. I was just like, oh, yeah, nah. This, this is about to be, like... Th- this would get a very good review in the source if it came out in the 90s right. like for sure like there's <laughs> no way there is no there's not a snowball's chance in hell this album gets lower than a four mic rating in the source if it comes out in the 90s when the source actually mattered yeah when the source was high <laughs> yeah um yeah man i i agree with you i think uh i remember going and actually purchasing the cd and um mm. I did not at the time I had not heard overly dedicated. I didn't hear overly dedicated until years later. But my first experience with Kendrick was uh Section 80. And I remember Wait, wait, wait. Did you get the deluxe edition? Uh yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. The deluxe. Uh-huh. Smart man. Um and so uh I was I was just like, you know, I was so in love with Section 80 and I still am. I still love that album. Um it was uh it, but it, this one was different like it felt like a book and it felt like a movie at the same time and um you know like you just mentioned on the cover it says uh 
what does it say good kid mad city a, a short movie, film a short film by kendrick lamar which is which is exactly what this album is it is a short film it is a story that is told and if you listen to it and we'll get into it when we get into the tracks is told from the intro backwards uh and it weaves throughout uh, you know uh experiences by kendrick lamar um but yeah man i was it was it, it back then when this album came out and a lot of times I, I find myself even when i listen to albums like it's hard for me to grasp it on the first listen and like understand and be like yo yo this shit is hot like i wasn't like that but like when i heard this for the first time i was like okay this is different like this is because it took me a minute to get up up on section 80 and once i got i was hooked on section 80 and i just kept saying to myself i don't know if this is better than section 80 i don't know if this is and even after i had the album for a while it took me a minute to get it in the conversation as Section 80. And I think that speaks to where, you know, Kendrick Lamar is, is where, you know, he's one of those MCs that one of those dope MCs where you don't necessarily compare him to other MCs. You compare him to his other work. And um, but yeah, man, I, I just remember first when I bought it, this stayed in the it stayed in the CD player for a long time. And I I i i couldn't stop playing and the funny thing is like i've never especially as we moved like you, you mentioned earlier moved towards the streaming i've never been one to take albums and take pieces of the album and put them in the playlist or make you know you know oh, dummy yeah, no, cds me, or whatever like that me neither i me neither. so this album is something because i listened to it in its entirety the first time i've heard it i've I don't, man, I don't think I've ever heard this album like not in its entirety. Like when I listen to it, I listen to it all the way through. I don't, yeah. I don't, because like you said, it's a movie, it's a book. It's not something meant to be consumed by listening to swimming pools or listening to Dying of Thirst by itself, yeah. at least for me. The, those songs don't have the same impact if you're not listening to it them in, in its in totality. Um, Suffice to say, this album comes out and it takes the world by storm. Uh, much like you said, Matt, it propels Kendrick Lamar into a different stratosphere. Yeah, it um, almost had the. Uh, you remember when Kanye put out "Twisted Fantasy"? Uh, I'd like, I'd like to forget that. Right, but just hear, just hear me out. This had a very similar reaction in terms of praise that that did. It kind of reminded me of that same moment where it's mm -hmm. just like you know you see the like 10 out of 10 from pitchfork you know what i mean right. you see like the four and a half to i can't remember what it got in rolling stone but i'm pretty sure it's like a four and a half or a five um like it has a 91 on metacritic based off like 35 reviews like that's a very high rate like metacritic tallies everything up you get a 91 off of that many reviews yeah you're doing something right right so you know i just remember like the moment like the day it came out all my friends on facebook were losing their <laughs> shit over the album yeah man it, it, it was it was crazy it hit like it hit it didn't just hit like hip-hop heads like us it hit like you know more of the casual listeners too maybe it was like as we get into the tracks maybe it was the bitch don't kill my vibe or poetic justice side of things but like you couldn't escape it. It was almost like minus the sales because, you know, we live in that era where sales are never going to be as high as they used to be. Mm. It's kind of like I, the way I saw people talking about this album kind of reminded me of when 50 put out Get Rich or Die Trying. 
in terms of like you know how many people were like talking about it because you couldn't escape 50 no. you know what i mean you couldn't it, escape this either no no not not even close and i think uh that was the thing that was really impressive you know amongst the masses was that at the time in which it came out it did just that uh even with it like you said it was part of it was i mean the the album was leaked uh, to the internet, I want to say at least maybe about a week or so before the album actually dropped. And, you know, at that particular time, they were, you know, we were trying to find our way as far as how to get music without mm-hmm. paying for it and stuff like that. And, you know, you I, had still, a little... I still paid for music at that point. Weeks for me were almost like a preview, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so if I, I, I was same way. I, I yeah. same same way. I, I if it was something that I really, really wanted, I was going to buy it. I wasn't going to stream it or download yeah, it now if right. it was something that if it was a kind of throwaway or something i might not like i'm not the biggest Lil wayne fan but if wayne came out i would i'd get it offline i would i wasn't gonna pay for what you wouldn't CD. so so you wouldn't buy carter two or three I, I didn't buy any of the carters i had them i mean i still have them but i didn't i never i never paid for any of them um okay so this album you know sells it comes out sells two hundred forty two thousand in the first <clears> week <throat> and you know i think the bootleg if you will being released had something to do with that i think the numbers probably would have been at least for maybe five hundred thousand because a lot of people had this before it actually came out um but as you mentioned man critically acclaimed um you know not that it matters but i mean the critical reception was crazy you mentioned uh metacritic was 91 out of 100 and it had uh, the sales to match the critical oh yeah. oh, acclaim, no, too. No question. No question. I think it's three times platinum right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it might be higher. LA Times, three and a half. Uh, Rolling Stone, you mentioned, uh, four four out of five stars. Uh, USA Today, th- uh, four and a half, uh, three and a half stars. Um, so, you know, it was critically acclaimed. It was something that people were, you know, yearning for. And it was, you know, for a lot of people outside of hip-hop, um, outside of hip-hop heads like us, this was their first introduction to Kendrick Lamar. They didn't hear Overly Dedicated. They didn't hear, you know, Section 80. They didn't hear his music as K-Dot as he was coming up as a, you know, MC in Compton. Um, so let's get into the production. What did you think about the overall production of this album? Because it, although, you know, he's under the wing of Dr. Dre, the production on here is not like what you may think, uh, you would get from a quote-unquote west coast album oh nah um i think that this is dr dre meets organized noise because mm. you hear a song like bitch don't kill my vibe that sounds like some shit straight off at aliens or equipment you know like nobody can tell me differently if i took that beat and put andre and big boy over it it would be the perfect outcast song mm. um you know, you think about a song like Sing About Me, like that guitar line kind of sounds a little bit similar to the guitar line on the song Equimini, you know. So when I hear people making like the Illmatic comparisons with this album, lyrically and content-wise, I get it. But if we're talking sonically, I get more of an outcast feel from Kendrick than I do Nas. And I've kind of always felt that way. Vocally, too, he sounds a lot like Dre when Dre was making his voice like, a little bit different. Dre as in Andre 3000. Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. Vo- vo- vocally. I'm not saying mm-hmm. content wise. I'm saying vocally. You know, like I could hear him, Andre, and Eric Badu on a song just Neo soling it up. You know what I mean? Like that's, but yeah, no, production wise, it's like, it's like if you took 
if you took the chronic and mixed it with the production from Aquemini, you would have Good Kid, Mad City. It's like a baby of those two albums, production wise. Yeah, it it I was I was pleasantly surprised because you know when I looked at the track listing um, as I opened the al- album up, uh, the CD up, I wasn't sure. And and some of some of the uh, some of the people that were listed on here as far as producers, I had never heard of. Um, I think I'd heard of Soundwave, but I wasn't really sure. He was um, a TDE in-house producer. Yeah, at I, that I, point. I know that now, but like at the time, I didn't know. And I think, you and I know Pharrell. that he, yeah, Pharrell was on there. Um, he did Ter- good kid. Yeah, he did good kid. Uh, Scoop Deville, DJ Dahi, uh, of course, Hit Boy, um, Taboo. Uh, let's see who else. Terrace Taboo Martin. for Black Eyed Peas. Yep, That's Taboo. wild. Uh, T minus. Um, you know, just blaze did, uh, the bonus track, uh, Compton. So not really, you know, just to name a few, not really a lot of, you know, quote unquote household names that you would expect on a, a major, major label coming from someone. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, this is Dre's protege. We're going to get, you know, <laughs> a bunch of, uh, nah. detox. Yeah. We're going to get a bunch <laughs> of detox rejects. And then that fooled you. <laughs> right. And it didn't happen. So but um, I do, you can tell that Dre had his like. Oh, no question. hand in it because it's like I can tell that even though Dre didn't do the beats, you can tell that he at the very least mixed it mm. and maybe. Oh, no question. And he because it sounds very pristine and clean. And I can kind of tell that he might have co-produced a couple songs. If not made the beat, then I feel like he might have added like, you know, kind of like what Q-Tip did on the infamous, mm. you know, came in there and touched some stuff up so, yeah <laughs> touched a, pushed a few buttons yeah, um pushed a few buttons you know nothing nothing major right uh so let's get into the tracks man this this album um again it, it's it's mind-boggling when i think about it but it it is 10 years old um when you think about you know what kendrick lamar has done in this time frame and how he's you know risen into superstardom uh and all of those other things it's still it's still just mind-boggling because this album to, at least to me doesn't feel like it's 10 years old uh, it doesn't sound dated at all um i was 18 when this album came <laughs> out and in my first semester of community college which i later dropped out from but yeah i was i was fresh out of high school and this was like the album to set off like my at like my post public school experience yeah. your boy was 39 years old and kicking it <laughs> kicking it cold i was kicking it hard man um songs that were released uh the recipe was released april 3rd uh, 2012 uh, swimming pools drank was released july 31st 2012 um the backseat freestyle uh was released january 7th 2013 uh, Poetic Justice released January 15, 2013, and Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe was released March 13th, excuse me, March 18th, 2013. Um, this album uh, is a little, a little more than an hour long. Uh, there is a couple of versions, as you mentioned. Um, there's the deluxe version, which I had, uh, and then the regular version, but the regular version was, what, uh, 68 minutes? Yeah. Um, still, let's run through the tracks. Uh, the album starts off with uh, Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter's daughter. Um, <laughs> That's a hell be- of a title. I know it, it is. And it begins 
the album begins with a prayer. So when you're hearing it for the first time, you're like, what, what, what the hell is this? Like, like it would, once you listen to it and you get the concept of what happens, then it makes sense. But leading off with the prayer of these, these young men who have had something happen to them. And now they're, you know, it's, we're starting at the back of the movie and then we're going forward. Um, what did you think of uh, Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter's daughter? Oh, I thought it was great. The moment Kendrick started rapping, he was like, I'm not playing no games with nobody. You know, because I think people miss, I think people don't understand how hard it is to rap on that level, but also deliver content with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, think of how many rappers you've heard that were rapping their ass off. Oh, I'm nice. I'm nice. And I'm nice in this. And I'm nicer than you that. But where's the content, though? Right. And from the moment you hear him rap, not only is he rapping his his ass off, immediate storytelling. Like, in the blink of an eye, he doesn't hold any punches. He just immediately starts storytelling. There's no lead-in other than, like, you know, the prayer at the beginning and whatnot mm-hmm. and the beat kind of building up. But, like, once Kendrick comes in, oh, it's it's off to the races. Yeah. I, I love it because one, I love the beat. Oh, it's so it's, ominous. It's, it's, it's so ominous, so kind of murky, and it's produced by the business. Um, and then the story that he's telling of meeting this girl, and you know, like I said, I'm 39 at the time this album comes out, right? But the young boy in me can remember, you know, when you get that exchange from that girl, and you're like, okay, and he's he talks about how they they well, he said they chirped all summer. Uh, you know, back in my day, Matt, we didn't have cell phones. So we had to get on the get on the phone and Mac. You know what I'm saying? But yes, you had um, to get on the house phone. And, <laughs> you know, exactly. you're, you're probably old enough to where you had to spin the dial. No, nah, no, nah, we ain't have one. You had to push the buttons. But um, yeah, man. So that song took me. I mean, that though him talking in in that in that manner took me back to those days of you know just talking yeah. to a girl and getting to know her and everything like that. Yeah. And you know. Here it is. He's going to meet her. And then next thing you know, trouble. Yeah. Always around the corner. Right. Because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, a a young male growing up in Compton. Right. And there's an innocence to that song. Mm -hmm. But there's also like a, oh, shit. That's the reality. She might be trying to set me up at the same time. Because, you know, it's like, you know, you're growing up around... At that time, I know Compton's kind of gentrified a bit, but at that time, it was, you know, it was what set, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I hate to say it like that, but that was, he grew up in that era. Oh, no question. You know? So no question. the way that a young man, I imagine, would grow up in that era is you're viewing everything from kind of like a gang, like street perspective, even yeah. if he wasn't, even though he wasn't like officially, you know, in the gang, like you're growing up around it. You know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of the vibe a song like that gives me like innocent time, fun time, but also like with that fun for lack of a better term comes fuck shit, you right. know? Oh, no question. I mean, so, like, you know, it, 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 it exposes <laughs> those of us who didn't grow up in a gang culture, you know, to those who did uh, shout right. out to cast like Baylor and uncle Dolomite, you know, on the West coast grew up in LA who, you know that like you can be your neighborhood could be could 
your neighborhood could determine whether or not you make it out alive or not. And what I mean by that is like, you can go to the next neighborhood over. He could have been the, the, the part of Compton where he was talking about where he was going to meet Shireen. That could have been just one street over from where he was supposed to be, you know? And if he's a, if he's a kid from a crip neighborhood and he's in a blood neighborhood, all of a sudden, you know, like in further along as we get into the, uh, the tracks, with the, the little interlude, interlude where he says well, I, he's like where you from he's like where, i want to know where your grandmama stay i'm gonna tell you where my mama stay and questions like that matt i kid you not could get you at the very least beat up you're like a hair trigger away from getting killed easily easily yeah. easily and i mean like if you don't grow up in that era or if you don't grow up in that type of environment for people like us that's foreign but even to hear him explain that through song is i think is very important I've, I, you know what though, I can say I've hung around people that have been in that life, and I've been in areas that are like that. Like, mm-hmm. as I grew up twenty minutes outside of Baltimore, and I went to hip hop shows in the city, and unfortunately, most of those shows were held in the hood because the power, the powers that be, did not want shows like that in the Inner Harbor and the nicer areas. They don't right. allow tattoo shops in the Inner Harbor even. Um, so I had to. I had to go to Sandtown a few times in West Baltimore for hip hop Yeah, but shows. Baltimore ain't LA. I and I get what you're saying. I get I totally get what you're saying. But the it, murder it, rate though. Like, but see, you know what's dangerous about Baltimore? Is it gang related? No, but every person that is out there doing like that is in that life, it's every man for himself rather mm-hmm. than gang. And I think that might that can also be worse. Well, well I, here's why I, here's why I think it's worse because like he he references Pyru, which is a LA gang, and that's a section, right? And if you ain't from LA, you don't know. Like this wasn't something I learned until later on in life, and just the mere fact of you mentioning that you're you could be from that section, you don't have to be in that, that particular true. gang. So that that, like, true. okay, so I'm not even. Let's say I'm not even gang affiliated. And I'm from the Pyru section and I'm in the 60s area where Nip is from. You don't want to do that. Like, like, and, and here's the thing, people out there, they know. And, and that's, I mean, I ain't yeah. going to do a whole bunch of talk about gang talk because I ain't in no gang. But my point in saying all of that is it's still dangerous. And, and Kendrick eloquently explains that in, in this song. Um, yeah. Then we get I the think, track, track I think, two, Bitch I Don't think, Kill My Vibe, yeah. uh, produced by Soundwave. What did you think about that one? Again, this is a song that sounds like it's straight off of Quemini. You know, like <laughs> I, I won't go that far. It it does, like production wise, to me it does. Like, and I remember Beezy saying that in the Dead End Hip Hop review that they did. He was like, "Man, that sounds like some Outcast Equemini type shit, don't it?" And I'm like, I went to listen to it, and I'm just like, "Yeah, I I hear it." You know, like if you, yeah, it's. There's just a <laughs> I'm about to pull a Ken dad joke. There's just such a vibe to that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it uh that that joint I love bitch don't kill my vibe. Um even the way any... that he's waving we even the way that he weaves in his voice, which I think is something that Kendrick has done on almost all of his albums. His vocal inflection allows him to not sound the same on any of his tracks which is amazing because not many MCs can do that but um you know the the hook i think probably the first couple of times i heard it the hook got me you know i was just like eh. and i mean it was catchy 
you know so um but yeah soundways did his thing on that one fun fact uh, about the song lady gaga was supposed to do the hook wow did not yeah. know that and that version actually got leaked by tde i know ne- have you heard it yes i have okay 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 i never and, heard it um, it it's it's actually pretty fucking dope <laughs> like i think they got anna wise to do this version that's on the album mm-hmm. um even though she's not listed as a feature yeah, or whatever listed, but yeah she just kind of you know did the background vocals or whatever on the hook but yeah no lady gaga was supposed to do wow. what anna wise is doing that's it's kind of like it's kind of like the you got me how it was supposed right. to have jill scott, jill scott we got Erica Badu. right right that's a little bit different because they're both like they're, they're yeah both but still are, i mean like right? even you would think yeah you're right because yeah they, they did use anna wise at the end with a song real you but, know what they punch talked about it on an interview recently and he was just like yeah the one with anna wise sounded a little bit better and we thought it fit the album better okay and okay. i i tested that i tested that out one day i made a playlist removed the one off the album and put on the one <laughs> with lady gaga because it's the same beat same verses mm-hmm. right but yeah. the hook is sung by lady gaga and i'm just like yeah that punch is right <laughs> individually it sounds great but okay. for whatever reason it just lady gaga's voice doesn't fit in the ah uh, no no I, I, in I, the I, sequence I, I think we would have been i think we're fine with with this one I, I, yeah. it would have been interesting to hear that how how it would have sounded on the album but no nah, i think because i'm not i'm not a lady gaga fan but objectively speaking taking the fact whether i like her music or not out of it she does have a good voice mm-hmm you know so then we get the track three backseat freestyle um this one took me back man because like when you're with your friends and at this point in time kendrick is with his friends and they're about to do some dirt you know he said you know bring bring your mix he said i got a i got a blank cd bring your breast freestyles and and no he said he said i got a black and a beat cd like a black and mild and a beat cd cd and I'm just and, like, uh, all right. So when you when you're in the car with your friends, I mean, like, I, I can't speak for anybody else but myself, but we used to do that all the time. Get a little instrumental, if you, especially like, if you had a, like we had at the time when I was back in high school, we had cassette singles, and sometimes on the cassette singles there would be uh, instrumentals. So you might have, you know, Biz Marquee Vapors on one side, and on another side it might be the Vapors instrumental. So you try to freestyle off the instrumental. Um, what did you think about backseat freestyle? So, I'm gonna be honest with you. Go ahead, keep it a bean. <laughs> keep it a bean. <laughs> That's funny. I'm gonna use that. So, I heard the song before when it was released as a single, and when he's like, "I pray my dick gets as big as the Eiffel Tower," I'm like, "This shit sucks. Trash, <laughs> trash. I'm not having any of this. What happened to Kendrick? I fuck this album. You know, I." I yeah no i literally like how you hear skip bayless talk about lebron that's my that was my reaction to that song when i first heard it but then i heard it in the context of the album Mm -hmm. and i was just like okay i get it now and then you start to listen to it more and more and it's just like the beat knocks you know and then I, you know what I think did it for me when he starts spazzing out at the end of the song because yes, that yes. that kind of made me go that kind of made I was just like wait what the was he just messing with me the first two and a half minutes you know and then in the context of the album it's like oh 
he's just mm-hmm. he, he's in the back of the car just fucking around yeah just mess with i mean like and and you know to be honest when you're with your friends at that age that he was you know at the time that he's putting himself into that time capsule that's what you do you know you, yeah. you play around and then but you, you don't go know in. that when mm. you hear it as a single though yeah and that's so, you know what to be honest matt that's probably why i've always avoided his the initial singles and stuff i've never listened to him before the album came out because i knew at least from section 80 i knew i got in the mindset of like i want to hear the album in its, in, in its entirety so i mean like you of course you would i mean this this album had songs that were on the radio what you you couldn't avoid that but what right. i'm saying is like i, I didn't it, want to just randomly listen to a song on, I the, think on, it's, on the album i think it's because the recipe was even though it didn't end up making like the 12 tracks it was mm-hmm. technically the first single release yep, and i loved I loved that from first listen. Mm-hmm. So when I heard backseat freestyle, I'm like, mm, <laughs> I don't like this, but yes, I, I, I love it now. Right. I'm just, that, those were my initial thoughts. Like Same. sometimes shit, sometimes songs are a grower. You yeah, know, sometimes yeah. an album's a grower. That's how it's, that's how it really should be, man. To be honest. Um, <laughs> then we get to track five money trees featuring J rock. Oh. No, you skipped over. Uh, you skipped over track four. Oh, track four. I'm sorry. Art of peer pressure. What did you think about that one? Second favorite song on the album. Mm. Like, I'm thinking like, oh man, this is really laid back. It's West Coast as hell. And then all of a sudden, you start getting into like this ominous boom bap shit, and I'm just like. Me and my boys were deep in a white Toyota. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man, that's th- this is probably it's not my it might be like my third favorite. I, I love this song, man. It's, this song go, it go and you know what, man. The thing that I love about this song is that even ten years later, still cold, still oh, yeah. cold. Like it's still yeah. you still get that vibe from listening to it. Um, then we get then we get to track five. Uh, Money Trees featuring J-Rock. Um, what you got on this one? Okay, this is where I'm going to start getting a little controversial. Just a little bit. I think J-Rock outshined Kendrick on this song. Mm, nah. J-Rock was a he feature. Thing, J-Rock was a feature killer at this time. Like, you think of his verse on Black Lit Bastard Remix off Control of control system you think this verse what imagine rock up in the projects where the pick your pockets like the way he's just like you know projects like the way it's just like the ah sound like he's just right he's syllable he's he's syllable rhyming Mm -hmm. like you know the song is dope period but when it got to that verse i was just like what the like Like, I don't know what it is. I've always liked J-Rock more on features than I do on his own. <laughs> sounds so mean to say. I like him more on features than I do on his own stuff. Man, he, he got me with, uh, it goes, Holly Berry, Hallelujah. Yes. I was like, I was like yeah. what? I was yep. like, you got it. You got it. You know, I was I was into it at that point. I was like, man, this is this is cold right here. I, the hook brought me in. And after that, I was like, Yo, this, this shit is tight. This shit is tight. Um... And it was it, it was what one of the things that I remember about this particular song, Matt, is that even people who didn't know the song, they knew the hook. Yeah. So that was and like 
you you would be I, walking you'd be walking in down the street and you hear people singing the hook i can um, or in a mall not to dry snitch on myself but before i got no, sober and i was no, smoking i was about to say don't 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 criminalize yourself no no <laughs> no it's that this is a this is a long time ago but um this was a song that you know when me when me and my friends would put one in the air and smoke out for like oh, a better you, term. That's cool. I thought you it, meant, I thought you did something criminal. No, no. <laughs> I mean it, it, it technically, but like yeah, no. When me and the homies were smoking weed, that, that was a song that was oh, in no question rotation. That's a, that that sounds like a, uh, a a one that you would burn one too. Oh, pff, what? Like um, we would damn near burn the house down to that song but <laughs> yeah, yeah then the next track is track six poetic justice featuring aubrey graham <laughs> what'd you think about that one my favorite drake verse of all time okay um okay. you know like i'm pretty sure he wrote that verse too i don't think kendrick actually wrote that one for him i would my, hope so <laughs> from my from my understanding drake wrote that verse and i'm going to assume he did that verse was actually pretty dope mm-hmm. um i actually thought drake held his own on that song he did. did he out did he outshine kendrick i'm not gonna go that far but he yeah i mean i was just like wait a minute do i like a song with drake on it kendrick is making music <laughs> Kendrick made a song so good that even Drake being on it couldn't piss me off. Like I, that that's like the pulling off a song with an Adam Levine from Maroon 5 feature and making me like that. Like that's I, I was just like holy shit, I like a song with Drake on it. What do you know? The beat from Scoop from Scoop DeVille was crazy. Yeah. Um that Janet Jackson sample. Come on, man. What? Come on, man. What? Oh god. Every, every wait, what? Every second, every minute, man. I swear that she can get it. Yeah. If you a bad bitch, put keep your hands out high. I yeah. mean, that being able to flip a Janet song and and make that your, I mean, that sample is crazy. Um, and you know, you know, what's funny. I for for the longest time, the uh, the memory that I have of this song actually doesn't the memory that I had of this song was a memory that I didn't like. And and it had really had nothing to do with the song. It was the fact that I went into a club and the DJ was, I mean, the party was jumping, man. It was crazy. I think it was, was it? I can't remember if it was at visions or wherever it was or someplace in Atlanta. Anyway, long story short, I go in the club. So the club is jumping and all of a sudden, because this is the hottest song in the country, the DJ puts this on. Now you see how slow this beat is. It this beat is, and so you went from people like bouncing and everything like that to and the thunder and, and people are trying to like catch <laughs> the beat, and it's like it was so awkward, Mark Matt. It was crazy. Like everybody looked silly trying to dance to that song. I was like, why are you playing this song? We know it's the hottest song in the country, but you don't have to play it here tonight right now no, that's 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 baby making music not club music yeah that's not it's not i mean and or car music like if you're like riding by yourself with the windows down at nighttime exactly that that's the vibe that a song like that gives exactly. me it, it, like, it would have been it would have been better if if i could have understood it a little bit if you know if he played it let's say at the beginning of his set or maybe at the end of the set but in the middle of the set when the club is jumping at the hottest moment of, i mean it's 12 30 one o'clock the, the club is at its peak and you play 
this song. I mean, it it, it was just crazy. But um, you could like play you said, swimming. You could play swimming pool right. at a club, I'd imagine. But not 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 nah. Not this. But, I think um, you know what it was. I think it was because of the Drake feature. That's probably why they were playing it at clubs. But I, even I then, had like, no idea, man. But it, it wasn't it wasn't necessary. But it was it was uh. But I love the song, man. Um, oh, amazing song. That doesn't mean get it needs to, to get played in a club, no, though. No, definitely not. Then we get to track seven, "Good Kid." Um man listen whoo yeah doesn't sound like pharrell produced it but he did no it doesn't it doesn't but this is a pharrell joint man um but i I love it but you know what's crazy i kind of feel like i should have expected it because when pharrell produced all of hell hath no fury by clips those beats were dark too Mm -hmm. you know like you hear the song mr me too by clips that that has a very murky like you know, this is dark. That like, good kid is dark but lush. But I know that it just sounded so weird for Pharrell to make. I'm just like, this is Pharrell, the dude that made yeah. the song "Happy" a year yeah. later. Like, hey, that's Pharrell Williams, man, all day, all day. I, he, I, I like, I love what he did with it, man. I think. Oh, um, I do too. And, and Kendrick's Kendrick's rhymes are, are. I mean, I don't have to say much about that. But I love this song, man, and and I think it it's a great lead into the next song, track eight, Mad City, featuring MC Eight, the legendary MC Eight. Um, man, this is my favorite song on it, favorite track on the album. Um, I, I, I hear you. <laughs> this is my favorite, man. I love this, especially when MC Eight comes in. That second half, when those hard ass West Coast drums start. Oh man. my god. Let me tell you something. It, it, if I could, I would have been in a low rider <laughs> bouncing oh, yeah. my hydraulics. Like, this is know. this is by far the most well, not the first half, but the second half of that song when the beat switches, yeah. that is the most West Coast shit other than maybe Compton on the entire album. Mm-hmm. Sonically, sonically. And, and I take it ba- I take it back. No this is my this is my second favorite song. Art of Peer Pressure is third. You're about to find out what's first, though. Yeah, this this one is is my favorite, and I, I agree with you. I think it 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 definitely lends itself to sounding much like probably what we thought the entire album was going to sound like sonically, but this one's different. Um, then we get to track nine, Swimming Pools, Drank. Um, what do you think about this one? I like this, the extended version that's on the album a little mm-hmm. bit more than the radio edit because that ending, you know, um, when he's kind of just doing like a bridge or whatever that you don't hear on the one that we heard on the radio or the single version. Same, same. I agree. Um, it's kind of like the effect that having the live version of Eye on To Pimp a Butterfly had in comparison to the studio version that came out like the year prior. Yeah, I just, this song, I've heard I've heard some people say that they hate this song and it's one of their least favorite Kendra tracks. Shit. Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. I'm a reco- <laughs> Look, bruh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. This shit hits me hard. <laughs> I've been sober yeah, for five man. years. It still hits almost congrats, five years. Congrats, congrats. Almost. Let me, not, let me not put fronts out there. Almost five years. And this song still hits me like a ton of bricks. And you know what's 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 why and I mean obviously we we have we haven't talked about but the the skits at the end and beginning of these songs you know which takes us through the journey of you know uh, I I think the one that always made me chuckle was like when they're in the car he's like he's like the homie up over a bitch. <laughs> 
my, my my favorite was always the bitch cut my motherfucking Otis back on you killing my motherfucking vibe yes and that's another thing Kendrick's parents actually Kendrick's real parents actually appear on this album um, yeah. and you and can tell they're you can tell they're from Chicago too because I'm pretty yeah. sure you hear them using the word Joe a few times and that's well, a Chicago I heard I knew they were from Chicago just based on their their uh slang uh, oh the the vote the how they sounded right they, they have they have Chicago accent but in the skits you actually hear his dad say Joe a few times I didn't even, a, I didn't even pay attention to that I just that's a Chicago term they well, call I know each that's other a Chicago Joe, term so. but I just I never I never really I just he sounded like he was from and and it makes sense because a lot of black people particularly around the age that his dad probably is left the Chicago and left the the Midwest and went out west you know for better job opportunities and that's exactly what his family did um so i thought it was dope for him in in his interludes and skits to have his parents on there you know his dad uh you know thinking that he's talking to kendrick when his mom puts him on the phone and he's actually talking to kendrick's voicemail and he's talking about you know bringing back his dominoes um he's like somebody say dominoes <laughs> that, <laughs> that's always funny to me Domino's so, is so trash to me too, but that's another story for another day. What the the game? What do you mean? The game Domino's. Oh no, I thought that they were talking about like pizza Domino's. No, no, that. no, no, no. He's talking about Domino's, the game Domino's. You didn't know oh, that? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was talking about the pizza. No, place. no, he's no, he's not telling him to bring his pizza. But he's talking about his Domino's. They, you know, west west on the west coast, they play. You know, they play Domino's a lot. You know that's that's a that's a staple. So see, Matt, look at you. Ten years that ten years later, you're learning something new about this album. But no, he's talking about the game dominoes. They're not they're not talking about the pizza. <laughs> I feel dumb as hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ! This entire time, I'm thinking he's talking about getting Domino's pizza, and I'm like, well, that's well, that's weird. You know, like well, why why would he tell him to bring back his Domino's? Right, like you know, like I mean. I like Little Caesars more than Domino's. Right. Man, his Kendrick's parents really must not have good taste in pizza, considering they're from Chicago. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see the light bulb right above Matt's head going off. Finally, everything's coming coming. There's to literally fruition. a light bulb right there <laughs> under my fan. That's well, like I said, man, you learn something new every day. Uh, so yeah, it, it it that's you know, we 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 did talk about it, but didn't talk about it. But yeah, the skits. Um, you know, then obviously uh, they pull off a heist. They break in and then they go back and they have this this uh, exchange. And then they make you know the idea to go you know and get some get back on the guys that beat up Kendrick. And in that process, um, which I always thought was weird, like how the, it didn't sound like the dude ever got out of the car, but he gets shot and. So he gets shot, and then that leads into uh, track ten, "Sing About Me." I'm dying of thirst. Um, what did you think about that song, man? This is my favorite song on the album. I can see why. I love it. I love this um, song. Especially the dying of thirst part. Everybody mm -hmm. like the "Sing About Me" side gets talked about a little bit more, and I see why. But for him to go like the way he was going over that dying of thirst beat, so unorthodox. Like the sing about me beat, if you can rap, like you can rap over that. The dying mm -hmm. of thirst part that comes in, it's very kind of like all over the place. Like it's very like 
almost like schizophrenic a little bit like in terms of like the pace of it um but very like ethereal almost Mm -hmm. you know um he's he's reverting back to keisha's song off section 80 yes yes i love that i love that basically explaining where you know she's gone um look people it's a 12 minute damn song i can't remember all the words to it um or the part where he's like i'll never fade away i'll never Never fade fade away away. and he just fades away (laughs) that song damn near brought a tear to my eye the first time i heard it i I love how he 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 goes back to keisha's song which which one of my favorites from section 80 so that is my favorite song from section 80 if i'm not yeah yeah that is oh i mean just to be able to do that man and and it's uh like you said it's a 12 minute song and it it doesn't feel like that now you said you like the him rhyming over dying of thirst i like him rhyming over uh sing about me i think um, most people do mm-hmm. you know i know i'm in the minority on that and that's fine it's just a oh no that's cool thing. that's cool um but yeah like there's just something about like that beat for dying of thirst too with that no creepy ass vocal sample or if it was a sample no and doubt. yeah like that that song is a mind fuck of just bars, yeah, it's bars storytelling bars on top of bars wrapped in a bar burrito mixed with like <laughs> you know bar toppings and then like again content and storytelling you know like this song is just it's probably my fate i'm not gonna say it's his best i have to think about it this is probably my favorite kendrick song period wow that's a that's high praise because he's got a lot of jams um yeah. then we get to track 11 aforementioned track we talked about a little earlier real uh featuring anna wise uh, this is a seven minute joint um for me i think the thing that i love about this song is it took me a minute to warm up to this song but i think the thing that kind of brings it home is his parents at the end because his parents are talking yeah. to a voicemail kendrick is gone they know that his friend was killed they don't know where he is and they're speaking to his voicemail and his mother you can kind of tell she's getting emotional because she's like I hope you get this message because keep in mind, his mom has been trying to reach him all day long. And so as a parent, you know, you're wondering, your mind starts to wonder, okay, well, where's my child? And then when she gets the news that, you know, they had talked to the the crazy lady, Celeste, I think that's what she said her name was. And, um, you know, they would gotten some prayer, but she still has not been able to find and locate Kendrick. Um, so I think that brought it home for me. What, what did you think about real? Again, going to get a little bit controversial. Go ahead. Um, I like this song a lot, but it's my mm-hmm. least favorite song on the album. A lot of people say that. A lot um, of people say that. It is a great song. Let me be clear. This is not like Mama Sita or anything. Like, <laughs> it's not the it's not the bad song on an amazing album, right? It's just my personal least favorite. So a lot you know. of people say that but it's it's that. it is dope though let's not take me saying it's my least favorite as oh matt doesn't no, think man, real is dope. that's that's but, that's how you feel no i but, I, I will i will agree it it is the of all the songs it's the least of all the songs it's not it's the, the, if i'm like hey i want to put on a kendrick song off good kid no, mad I'm city that's no. unless i'm playing the album all the way through i almost never put that song on exactly exactly and then on most people's versions, the album ends with uh, track 12, Compton, produced, uh, featuring Dr. Dre, produced by Just Blaze, which until he shouts out Just Blaze, I had no idea Just Blaze produced this, uh, <laughs> album, this, uh, this song. Man. Once, you you hear the t- this Once you hear the tag at the end, Just Blaze, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I was like, like wait a minute. Like, who, who, who let Justin in here? <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. Um, again, the light bulb went off in my head, but it, the first time I heard it. But you know, I, you know what I think. I'm gonna put a conspiracy theory out there. Okay. I think the I think the recipe was originally supposed to close the album, and then when they realized content wise, they needed another song with Dre to close it. They came up with Compton, which ends it off better. I think that's why the recipe didn't make the album because they had this song and it fit better in the context of the album. I think album. it does. I think it does too. As much as I love the recipe, I, 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 I can roll with you on that one. I, I, I think that's that's very plausible. I think you this, can't have this a great closeout though. You can't be signed to do, to Aftermath, literally be a disciple of N.W.A. and not have Dr. Dre. I think oh, the intention okay. was to have the recipe on there, and then they were just like, "Wait a minute, this shit don't fit." <laughs> you, you know so they came they probably had compton sitting around there like this fits better let's use this instead and that's how the recipe became a bonus track on the deluxe rather than no. you no, know no. but amazing amazing ender even though you can tell that dr dre is trying to sound like kendrick because he got his <laughs> verses written by him he's not <laughs> you know like it, he's not kendrick but the right. way he's rapping it's mm -hmm. like dr dre if you notice has always kind of taken like the person that writes his verses steals their flow but with his voice good point you know good point but yeah amazing closer to the actual 12 tracks right you now all right man so before we get out of here i gotta ask you one last question man i always ask the people especially when we break down albums man if we're taking it but by the sources five mic ra album rating system <laughs> how many mics is this album getting so let me let me start this off by saying this is my favorite kendrick album i don't think it's his best album okay. i think there's a difference between favorite and best i think to pimp a butterfly is his best album but this one's my favorite um with that being said 10 years has gone by but I still can't quite give it a five because of the fact that if I got to think about it, I'm going to say it's four and a half, but it's, it's close. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's knocking on fives, like, you know, front door, but, <laughs> but the five, but the five won't open the door for right, it. Right, right, right. You know? that's that's I, yeah four and a half i'm with you man i'm with you I, I i thought you'd say five but you know i i've i've come to the point where um if somebody says this is a five mic album i don't argue with them because i think it's just that close now if i'm we gonna were, give it i'm gonna give we, it four and a half though yeah if we were talking about to pimp a butterfly i might well i can't i can't say what to pimp a butterfly is because it ain't been 10 years yet and, and i hadn't done a review yet so when no, we I'm, get to 10 years yeah uh but i no, said I, I, all I did was nod my head. I didn't say it's a five. I just nodded yeah. my head. I'm just like, if you had asked me about that one. Nah, we, we talk, we talk. Now, I will but, say this much. My, my, in my personal opinion, I think that this is a better, I think that To Pimp a Butterfly is better than Good Kid, Mad City, slightly. Uh, that is always a debate on social media and everything oh, yeah. like that. No, I, I, look, I agree. To Pimp a Butterfly mm -hmm. is better than this. I'm just There's a lot of people that don't, though. And I'm terms, cool with that. It's a difference between favorite and best, right? Like Lamar Jackson's my favorite quarterback in the league. He ain't better than Mahomes, right? You know, like 
I never liked Tom Brady. I love Joe Flacco. I'm not stupid enough to say that <laughs> Flacco is better than Brady. Flacco. Yeah, so no, like I think that it is close, but objectively, if I can take my own personal opinion out, I think I can admit that To Pimp a Butterfly is a little bit better than this, which is why this is a four and a half. Yep, I'm going to give and, it four and a half too, man. I, I'm with you a thousand percent. I think this is an incredible album. Again, hard to believe it's been 10 years, man, but here we are 10 years later. Good kid, Mad City. Um, that's going to do it for us. My man, Matt B. Matt, thanks as always for coming through, brother. I appreciate it. No doubt. No it. Uh, doubt. We talked about doing this a while ago, and I think when the year came around, you was like, hey, man, we got to do a good kid, man. See, I was like, it's ten years this year. You're like, yep. I was like, all right, let's let's do it. October. So we put yeah. it on the put and it on you, the calendar. And for the people out there wondering, Kyle hit me up about this three weeks ago, and I had honestly forgot that I even brought it up to him. I'm like, wait, I had, <laughs> I had to think. No, nah, man, it I had you head. on the calendar, and I'm just like, oh, I don't remember agreeing to it, but let me tell him. I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, man, you always down to down to come and talk some hip hop, man. So I definitely appreciate it, and appreciate you guys for listening and watching on YouTube as well. Uh, be sure to subscribe if you already haven't. Uh, subscribe to the Twelve Kyle Podcast. The podcast drops each and every Thursday at midnight. Uh, make sure that you subscribe because from time to time we will drop bonus episodes on Sundays at midnight. That's going to do it for us again. Ten years, good kid, Mad City. For man, Matt B. I'm your boy 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five G's. Peace. Beautiful episode. Dope, dope, dope.